Hello, and welcome to a very special emergency episode of the Admissions Director's Lunchcast. It is 7 a.m. Uh, I am Tej Matil. This is the day after we found out that the Department of Ed uh, won't start releasing ISARs until the first half of March. So Nathan is traveling. He's currently coming to us, it looks like, from the honeymoon suite of a 1950s sitcom. <laughs> no, just a guest bedroom of my parents' Florida condo. Yes, and we are putting this episode out quickly to share some hot tips and tricks on how I think you can turn this FAFSA delay to your advantage. Uh, when I first heard about it after the shock wore off, I said, this is good news. But Nathan, we've got to start with our opening music. I, I don't, I don't think we have time for this. I'm sorry, it's hard to go. I mean, that's really long uh, when, when it's not at double When you speed. have to wait for it. <laughs> Nathan, all right, let's get to it. Listeners, viewers, uh, that's special for us. Uh, this is tangible, practical tips on the FAFSA delay. So we're the esoteric stuff, what does this mean? The generational impact of which there is generational impact, like the, the broader scale of like yet another year where we can't do year over year analysis go somewhere else for that. This is what should admissions directors do right now in February of 2024, now that we know the FAFSA is delayed. Nathan, what are you thinking right now? I mean, on the fly, it's I'm, we're thinking about all kinds of things, right? And um, I, I think really where we're trying to go um, is trying to be as proactive as possible. I know you and I have talked about that a lot, <clears throat> but we're trying to be as proactive as possible um, to make sure that first and foremost, that the students are calm. Um, we've been sending out messages for the better part of probably six to eight weeks now with updates as we have them, making sure that the students know that we will get them financial aid awards. We're trying to provide them updates and we're taking an individualized approach. It's easy for us to do because we have a small admit pool compared to others and like maybe a regional public or something along those lines. Um, but it really is something that we're trying to just get out there and say, Hey, we we're here. We will do whatever we can. We will get you if you need an extension on a deadline or whatever else. Um, what I'm not prepared to do yet, and this is live right now, like we're it's January 31st, not prepared. January to do, yeah. 31st. I was texting with my president in the airport yesterday as I was flying down here. I'm not ready to push the deadline back because it's still only January 31st. Um mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean I'm not willing to work with students in their individual circumstances. So yeah. um, I'm just not willing to do that. Will that come? Probably. Will the higher ed media um, need something to go out there with and whip us all into a corner? Probably um, to make sure that we actually do that. It feels a little bit like 2020. I'm not going to lie when that momentum started to go. Um, and if it does, that's fine. I don't I don't think there's a problem with it. Um, but right now, I think what we're focusing on is just trying to get in front of the students and see if there's other questions that maybe they have yet and what's important to them and help trying to qualify um, some of those students and just get connected with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. How are your, maybe not, maybe I shouldn't personalize it to your, the admissions counselors on your team, but how do you think admissions counselors in the world 
are reacting to this this news that again you're less than 24 hours old right now um what i've seen online and again i haven't really had the convenience of being able to talk to our entire staff because i was traveling i was talking with our avp and some other folks um i think there's probably it seems like what are we going to do there's just like a, a very uh an attitude of our hands are tied there's nothing we can do right now oh we're going to have to wait um and we're just going to sit around and then it's going to be crazy like oh my gosh it's going to be crazy um and i also saw online last night some of my friends that i'm you know on social media with or whatever else they're starting to push back admitted student days or some crazy scrambling that's happening for that um i saw somebody yesterday they had a mid-march event scheduled for an admitted student day and now they're pushing it to april um so i think some of those things are probably happening and people are going like you know um, huddling around that um i though i'm just worried about the confusion (laughs) um for students and for families and i'm seeing it also on my side as a parent we filled out our fafsa a couple of weeks ago and just the lack of information that the feds are mm-hmm. giving us um, on what to expect. Um, I don't think it comes as any surprise. We're not a Pell family. Um, so I don't have that to worry about. Um, but I certainly have other people in our network, um, other families that are reaching out saying, what does this mean? When are we going to hear? And here's the other thing in admissions, and this is admissions podcast in admissions, we're worried about the incoming students in my role as vice president. I'm also worried about the current students. I'm also worried about our Illinois students, the deadline to apply for if you're a current student um, or deadline to put in your FAFSA is February 1st in Illinois so that you can qualify for your MAP grant. Um, That's leaving us blind because we can't go after the students. We can't reach out to the, the current students on our campus. Um, about who's applied, who's not. And we're definitely just shooting in the dark um, and just basically trying to get a hold of everybody. Well, there's 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 a couple tangible things that I think uh, admissions directors should start doing immediately. But one of them is evaluate your messaging now on pushing mm-hmm. students to submit the FAFSA. It would be great if the feds would, even if they can't release ICERs, tell us who, <laughs> who has submitted right. the FAFSA and has our, our, just give us names, right? Um, because, you know, when I think of, of the MAP grant, and I, I still remember with glee the days that Illinois didn't have a budget and us Wisconsin colleges were able to come down because you didn't have the MAP grant. Um, <laughs> right. The, we, we're so used to pushing on students who haven't submitted the FAFSA, and I think that helped a lot of students submit the FAFSA, right? That, that constant nudge from every college they were applying to, and right. they're not getting it, and I don't think we were going to plan to do it. But now, now I think you've got to find a way to to get to be pushing to students submit the FAFSA if they haven't, and it, 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 you can't wait until we find out they didn't. You could survey your students. That's what we've started yeah. to do in some of the FAFSA emails. Um, I'm sure lots of people are doing that, but I just want to throw it out there. That's a tip. Yeah. Here we are in the admissions director's lunch cast, trying to provide tips that people can maybe do this afternoon. Put a survey out there. Ask yeah. students: Are they planning to file the FAFSA? Um, what, where does finances rank? Like do something like that, do a quick pulse Mm -hmm. survey. Um, but then at the same time, ask them a couple other questions about, will you need to visit? Are you waiting to visit, you know, until you receive the FAFSA or are you willing to come to campus, um, in February or March and then wait for that? You know, just try to get 
a sense of where they are, each of the individual students, but there's a way you can do that with some surveys or some messaging um, that can ask some other questions instead of just saying like, yeah, go fill it out, go fill it out. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing I think admissions counselors, one, will feel better if they have a sense of control over what's about to happen right. to them, right? And I've been thinking a, a lot about what counselors should do. And, and so here's, here's what I think. Colleges are all going to react to this one of two ways, reactively or proactively. Those are your only options, right? right? And the reactive colleges with a lot of resources, your big state institutions that can quickly get the aid packages turned around once the ICERs start rolling in, they're set up to be the winners in that scenario, right? If colleges like the ones I used to work at, where once the ICERs start coming in, then we begin a two-week process to get power fades ready if we have IT support that's not already supplied to institutional research for things due in March, whatever the case is, right? Right, um, right. That's going to be a challenge. But the proactive colleges, this you can play this to your advantage and, and end up having this FAFSA delay increase enrollment for you as opposed to, to decrease. And here's what I would encourage every admissions director to consider right now is in this year specifically, you need to spend February finding every way you can to sort and rank your students based on how they're orienting themselves towards your institution, right? So yep. um, you need to, by the time packages start rolling out, and, and let's do away with the idea that this is just like the years before, prior, prior. It is not. It's not like that, right? It's These now are gonna, not. As of, yeah. as of yesterday, it's now not. <laughs> yeah. The packages are, they're not going to trickle out starting January, right? Like they're going to just come in one massive wave in right. April. Right. And you don't have a battle plan on how to prioritize the personalized outreach that you give to each of your admits that have an aid package. You're going to just dilute yourself by kind of spreading yourself evenly across all students who are uninterested to completely interested, right? And your counselors right now can be spending the time with your students, identifying who's interested, who's engaged, what their kind of financial aid threshold is going to be, so that when the packages start rolling out, those that aren't with you, get to them when you can. Those that are ready to move in anyway, right? Get to them second. But the students that we at, at Enroll ML, we identify for our, our institutions, kind of the swing students, the ones that are like halfway there, but probably somewhere mm -hmm. else too. You've right. got to figure out a way to find out who those students are. And so that when March rolls around or maybe April, when we're able to start sending out aid packages, right. um, that's who you're following up with. In, in the absence of that, if we just wait until aid packages start rolling out, you're going to be behind and because you're not going to be able to follow up quickly with every student that's getting an aid package. I think we need to let that idea go. You can't ask that of your counselors this year. No, no. Even if you had like all in, all hands on deck, you know, all your financial yeah. aid counselors, all your admissions counselors, everybody was doing it. It's just not going to be reasonable um, mm -hmm. to do that. Um, the appeals process is going to be crazy, like all of that. Um but I agree. Uh, one one idea to, to piggyback on that and how mm -hmm. you could qualify. Um, former guest of the show, good friend of ours, Seth Harris from Seth Harris, AAB, yes. right? Lawrence Connection. I was texting with him last night, um, and he he said an idea that that he had and the AB has is to resend your merit awards. 
And, mm -hmm. you know, just to put that out there as a reminder, because there's probably some schools um, where Knox is probably in that category since we started releasing early decisions, you know, mm -hmm. third week mm -hmm. of October that they just the student is going to forget like how much it is. And if obviously a lot of us have put big merit awards out there right now because we knew this was probably coming. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But a lot has happened in the high school seniors life between the end of October, beginning of November and now. And you could be very straightforward and just say, hey, is thirty five thousand dollars a year enough? Is that is that going to be enough or what are you trying to figure out as you have your family started to look at that and figure out what mm -hmm. your budget is and you could start to figure out what their capacity is at that point. Man, is that crazy to think about, <laughs> right? Like yeah. when you don't have um, when you don't have the data from the FAFSA, um, but at the same time, like those are some of the conversations that counselors do have time for right now mm -hmm. to help qualify those um, if the student is willing to get in touch with you. And I going back to your point, though, those students that you're that are on the fence are the ones that are always hardest to get, you know, get in front of. And I'm sure there's admissions counselors listening to this admissions directors that are like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's easy for you guys to say, <laughs> how are you actually doing that? You know, how are you actually getting in front of them? Um, yeah. I'm telling you these like text message, pulse surveys, that where they just get a quick response back um, usually is the way to go. You know, one of, not to, this is not about plugging in, roll them out. It just is the, the approach we take is really helpful right now. One right. of our client institutions, when we identified the swing students, she moved her calling list. She cut off the, the students that we identified as not interested. And she said, not only did staff morale skyrocket, you can watch our webinar on that. Um, but she, she also, she measures call completion rate. And she said that went way up as well. So mm. the, the, the students who are genuinely displaying behaviors of interest, they'll, they will talk to you. They'll get on the phone. Uh, it's just, you have to find a way to identify who those are. And, and I've really been leaning on, um, the unobtrusive observation methods, right? Like students know you're paying attention to if they visit, uh, you know, if, if they apply, if they send in documents, if they apply for scholarships. And while they're aware that we're tracking email activity and web activity, they're not doing it in a way intentionally with us in mind. Um, so when we do our data science and, and kind of evaluate the behaviors of interest, it's those subtler things, the quieter signals that students are sending, that I think if you're not leaning into those in your CRM right now, that could be a really good way to identify for your counselors. Here's the students paying attention right now try and try and connect with them those students that aren't opening emails aren't going to your website aren't visiting cut them yeah cut them loose right now right like until they until they loose. tell you otherwise you, right. you are just not going to be able to if you try and spread yourself all the way across your admit pool out of a sense of we yeah. need every student we can get you're going to miss a lot of opportunities because colleges that are more precise and more focused on who's actually engaged, they will flip some of those 50-50 students away from you. So the FAFSA, the students that have submitted the FAFSA, they're getting like a summary, right? Like they're getting something ah. on the screen. And this was another idea that, that Seth was texting to me last night, uh -huh. is that if you can reach out to a family or to a student, and that's another way that maybe you can yep. try to qualify those students. But you could reach out and say, hey, send me that and let's talk about what that number is and what that means to you as a family. Um, that's that another was, good way to maybe get in touch with them. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I was wondering about that, getting the, you know, the SAI number from them and using that either to just outright mock up an aid package or use that to start financial aid counseling conversations that you would right. normally have once there's an aid package in front of them. Um, and instead, it actually may be a more beneficial financial aid counseling session because it's still somewhat theoretical, right? When, right. when you start talking with families about how are you going to make it work when there's an actual perceived bill in front of them, right? Like there's a dollar amount that they are like, how am I going to find X thousands of dollars? Um, but instead, we're still talking somewhat theoretical when it's just the SAI. That might might actually be more tangible or more helpful at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly would. And um, <sighs> I'm thinking of the admissions counselor experience, though. Like, are we mm -hmm. have we equipped our admissions counselors to be able to do that and have that conversation? And is that more of a financial aid counselor conversation? Yeah. Um, and are the financial aid counselors yeah. ready to have that conversation when they don't have all this other information? I mean, literally yeah. my mind is just going about like, when you take out this piece and yep. you take out the gigantic piece of information or just this data set that we have on these students, um, mm -hmm. that's, it really is, is crippling. Um, and then, you know, how are we going to do our work yeah. or whatever else? But I think there's ways you can, and I think there's ways to, for an admissions counselor or financial aid counselor to just be honest with the family and just say, we're waiting just as, just as, as much as you are, but mm -hmm. let us help you. Let us figure out a way to talk through some of these things. Um, and going back to your point, if they respond, if they pick up on that, if they want to have a Zoom meeting to talk about finances that early um, and mm -hmm. you haven't heard from them. Um, maybe some of those little things, those little subtle things that you were talking about now all of a sudden turned into like, okay, I'm ready to, to do this. Um, and then you establish trust at that point, right? You try yeah. to establish trust and you establish authenticity that they're willing to, um, to, to chat with you and view you as a partner in helping them. Yeah. I mean, this is a time when customer service is going to give you more wins. Right. Like right. The, the colleges that do a better job with customer service guiding families through this right now are going to on the margins see benefit from that. Um, colleges that have neither the, the capacity or ability or experience kind of doing that level of customer service and don't have the huge IT teams that can quickly turn around the packaging software. Uh, yeah, I think they're the ones I'm most worried about right now. Mm -hmm. Well. I, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, ones that don't have huge IT teams. I think it, yeah. it doesn't take a lot. If you have somebody that's really good and you have a small shop. Um, but I just, again, I worry about the crunch. I worry about the crunch mm -hmm. on the vendor side that they're going to be able to get to everybody. That if something happens with your particular instance, you would hope that any of the providers we have, the same problem would pop up if it was a problem from the file. Um but just looking down the road for our friends on the tech side, yeah. you know, if you're if you're sending like we are, we're ready to send out printed mailers. We have a beautiful new one designed this year that we've never done before and things like that. But there's an extract file that has to go to our print our printer yep. and then that has to get bugged out. And like we got to figure out how that's going to work. And um, you, you should try to get as far along the path if you're an admissions yep. director listening or watching this right now you should be going to your financial aid director and be like, Hey, where are we on that? And hopefully you already are in those type of conversations, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not naive. I know there's plenty of offices where admissions and financial aid don't talk. Um, but those are things that are really going to 
as an admissions director, you're going to be like, awesome. When those icers come, right? right? Whether it's the middle of March, whether it's the end of March or whatever, the admissions people are going to be like, let's go. Like yeah. we've been waiting, we're here. And then financial aid is going to be like, hold up, wait a minute. How's this going to work? Um, so as an admissions director, maybe if you haven't already been in this conversation, which it would boggle my mind that you wouldn't, but I know there's plenty of offices that that are set up that way. Reach out to yeah. your financial aid director and make sure they have what they need tech-wise. All right, Nathan, one last question for you, and then we'll yeah. uh, let you get back to your I Love Lucy set. Um, this is this is the, the elephant in the room. Should we just be giving students more money right now? Mm. That's a great question. Also was texting one of, with one of uh, my former supervisors, who's a sitting VP right now. Um, and he made the joke that said, he, he was asking, you know, what's, what's your plan? I said, I don't have an emergency, emergency plan. I have all <laughs> these things that I, I'm going to try to do. Um, and he's, and he said, yes. And that's all great. He goes, yes. And we all just need a big old line of credit. <laughs> like we're all going to have to be out there. And I yeah. think at some point it, it might get to that point and you can hear the hesitation in my voice yeah. that we just I, have to shoot in the dark and go out with some aid. It, it, this reminds me of the, the, Gosh, I'm, I'm realizing how ridiculous I'm about to sound. This reminds me of the entering class of fall 2009. But here's here's what I mean. I mean, you um, try to you try to oppose young. You got like that trendy flannel on <laughs> today, you know, yeah. and you got your medals there with from, you know, oh, from, from my marathons, marathon, my marathons. This, yeah, the marathons. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. they are. Okay. In 2009 for, for I mean, some of our admissions directors weren't in admissions yet. They then just a. Uh, Put that there, but Stop. that was why would you that do was, that? Like what? That was like that was my first year. It was Nathan's tenth, and the housing market crashed in September two thousand eight. Do you remember that was the fundamentals of our economy are still oh, yeah. strong, and yeah. every college didn't had to either react or not react, right? Be proactive or reactive. Mm -hmm. And for us, some of our major competitors, two of them specifically, put more money on the street, recognizing in their mind, that the financial situation had changed. If you remember before 2009, home equity lines of credit were one of the primary ways to pay for the cost of college, because up until 2008, right. your home value just kept going up and up and up. It was like, a, right. it was like free money. Okay. Uh, after that, it, it changed, but we did not make a change. We stood firm in our packaging strategy and we got, I believe, the official term. We meaning from... we meaning at Lawrence, right? <laughs> like, yep. Just yep. to put that out there. Yeah. Yep. I remember that yep. conversation around yeah. that table. We mm -hmm. got the official term of, of what happened to us is we got mollywhopped. That's the that's the West <laughs> Dallas version, right? Like we just got beat at every every competitive student we could. We just lost up and down. But then the next year, Nathan, if you remember, that was the year on May 8th, I think we started sending deposits back because we over-enrolled. Because here's what happened. Our major competitors stretched themselves too far in the class of 2009. Their internal dynamics reacted and they tightened up aid. Right. And us internally, we, we were able to make the case like, hey, we've got to loosen up aid. And so like it took a couple of years before an equilibrium came back, but that's what's going to happen. There'll be some colleges that go out heavy now. They're going to over-enroll. And I, I remember my director at the time said, these other colleges, mortgaged the next four years of their 
revenue model right. to get this right. class um, in. So to get that one class in. Yeah. Which if you need it, if you need that class and you're on the brink or whatever it is, because um, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people last year, a lot of schools last year that didn't have great classes. Some had yep. fine classes, you know, you never know. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting though, because I think student behavior has changed dramatically, obviously since 2009. Um, and this goes into one of the episodes we're going to put out for season seven when we're talking about student procrastination, right? Yeah. We'll get to that episode, Nathan. I know, but it's, it's January 31st. Yeah. yeah. I have a high school senior at home. My mm -hmm. high school senior, now he's part of the music admissions process, so he's getting ready for an audition this weekend. A little delayed than others. Um, there, What's going on in a high school senior's life right now, Right. Like there's basketball stuff, like winter sports are wrapping up. There's regionals that are probably going to happen soon. Um, there's spring breaks that are potentially coming up. If you're on the East Coast, I know there's a big, there's, they have a lot of um, breaks around the President's Day holiday and things like that. Um, if you were to, let's say, a school and you're like, screw it. We're going to go out with all this money and we're going to do it in the next couple of weeks because we're so nervous. Mm -hmm. Is that, and if you're one of the first ones or two, is that going to be a position right there where um, the student says, okay, I'm so nervous enough. I want to pick my college. I'm going to deposit because they got me an award or I'm going to deposit because now that made it, has made it affordable. Or is it basically just going to give more money to students that we're going to deposit anyway? And you got on their radar really early. Um, it, is it going to make a difference? That's what I'm saying. Like, or is it just going to make us all feel better? Because this is all something that like, this is when we send out awards and oh my God, we're so far behind. What is a student thinking right now? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is the student actually thinking right now? Confused. <laughs> That's, the student's confused. I get it. Um, but at the same time, like what, what are they, if you were to go out and leverage the farm, you know, uh, is mm -hmm. it, is it going to pay off for you? I completely agree that how that all worked out in 2009 and 2010, and I would say it even went to 2011 and 12. Yep. Um, it really shook that. And especially in the upper Midwest and those type of schools, it really shook mm -hmm. those schools. Um, but this whole, again, this is more like me kind of pontificating about our industry, like tails wagging the dog here. What's going on? Right. Like wh who's actually in charge of this and where are we actually going? Are we just doing it because we all feel nervous that like yeah. we're not doing business as usual? Um, or are we actually reacting to students that are like, hey, I really want to know. I really, really want to know what this yeah. is going to cost. And I'm ready to deposit tomorrow if you tell me what this is going to cost. Is the student demand actually there? Right. Or are we just doing this because this is our business and this is what we do all day, every day? And this is just what we're supposed to do. And we're also burnt by the pandemic and all the other things that got thrown up that this is yeah. just the last straw. I don't have an answer to that. I'm just yep, tossing it to you. <laughs> I, I think that's a good point. If, if we are reacting to our anxiety and applying that to students, I think you're right. Yeah, that's where you can, can miss an angle um, and misfire to, to be frank. And, and you're talking about misfiring with discount dollars when I imagine Listener, you're in a situation where your president, your cabinet, your board is not saying, 
go ahead and increase the discount rate, right? Like that's that's right. usually not not what's happening. Sometimes you can get them to that that philosophically or strategically, but they will never say, please spend more, right? So there we are. Nathan, I think this is this is the end of the line for the emergency podcast. Do you have any any parting wisdom? Um, I just do want to acknowledge that uh I owe you an ice cream. Yes, right? I did. I yeah. do owe you an ice cream because in the in the January banter that we recorded in December, I said something about like you we were going back and forth. I listened to it this morning just yep. to make sure to verify, but I will get you an ice cream. Will you take frozen custard? No. Okay. No, that's that's dairy. That we're gonna need coconut cream ice cream. Okay. All, All right. right, listeners, listeners. Amazon. Okay, but hold on, Nathan. <laughs> Our listeners would be so disappointed if they don't get the closing music. Play it for them. And now we wait. Awkwardly. I mean, 27 seconds is a long time. I enjoyed it. This makes you want to dance. It does. Yeah.